0: Welcome to the Homeschool Sanity Show, your weekly prescription for happier, healthier homeschool living. I'm your host, Dr. Melanie Wilson, Christian psychologist turned homeschooling mother of six. Hey, homeschoolers. I've done a lot of reading on unschooling, and I've experimented with it in the afternoons with my kids over the years. But I was forced to take a fresh look at unschooling when I read the book, Homeschool Gone Wild. I invited the author, Carla Marie Williams, to be a guest on the podcast, and I posed some challenging questions to her. Whether you're all about unschooling or think it's not for you, I know you'll enjoy my interview with this fascinating homeschool mama. But first, I'd love to invite you to join our Homeschool Sanity Facebook group. I am enjoying your answers to the daily discussion questions. I am happy to give my answers to your burning questions, along with allowing the rest of the group to respond. And I consider it a privilege to pray for your requests. Find us at facebook.com slash groups slash group. Or visit the show notes for the link at homeschoolsanity.com slash unschooling. I'd like to thank our sponsor, the Christian Standard Bible. Listen for more about this fresh version of God's Word.
1: Reading the Bible can encourage a person in their relationship with the Lord as much as any other spiritual discipline. The Christian Standard Bible is an English translation that strives to be faithful to the original languages without sacrificing clarity. The CSB maintains accuracy while remaining easy to read. It is a translation that pastors can feel confident preaching from, and the person in the pew can feel comfortable reading from in their own devotional time. The Word of God is living and effective, transforming the hearts of people. And our hope is that CSB is useful in more people being encouraged to read the Bible and share it with others. Learn more at csbible.com.
0: Carla Marie Williams is a speaker, writer, And global child advocate. As the founder of I Speak for Kids Global, her work has touched multiple countries and cultures. She is a homeschool conference speaker and a mentor to parents through social media, unschooling the sensational six. Carla is a wife of 21 years and a mom of six inspired learners. She and her family reside in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Now here's Carla.
2: Carla, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast to talk about unschooling. I had seen you on Facebook interacting with me on my Psycho Six Homeschool Sanity Facebook page, and yes. then I saw someone else on Instagram post a book a homeschooling book, the cover of it, and she said she was so excited about it, and I looked at the author of the book, and I thought, that sounds so familiar. That sounds like (laughs) the Carla I know from Facebook, and so I looked it up, and sure enough, it was you, and so (laughs) I had to invite you to come on to talk about the topic of the book, which is unschooling. Unschooling Mm -hmm. is not something I've spent a lot of time talking about. I did have a beginning homeschool mom talk about interest-led learning with Mm -hmm. much younger children. So I did have that episode that I will link everyone to in the show notes. But before we dive into the whole topic of unschooling, which is such an interesting topic, I was hoping that you could tell us more about how you started your family because I think that is a wonderful story.
3: Oh, well, awesome! First of all, Melanie, thank you so much for having me. It is an honor. And I, um, to put a very long story short, (laughs) (laughs) Um, my husband and I, you know, tried relentlessly to uh, to start a family, and we experienced many, many losses um, in the process. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. And
3: as a result, we just decided that we wanted to be parents more than we wanted to be pregnant.
1: And Mm -hmm. um,
3: that landed us uh, after, you know, using, uh, thinking about all of our options, um, that landed us with a foster care adoption. And in uh, 2006, we went from having no children to having two toddlers and a newborn all at once. Wow! And so it was parental boot camp to say the very least, <laughs> and uh, it was it was just a dream come true. A, a lot of it is a haze because you can only imagine. Um, right. I don't know what it's like to have one child. I don't know what it's like to have two children. I started with three, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it it was it was just really a blessing, and um, they're amazing kids. And um, about seven years later, my husband and I thought, you know what, we want to add to the family. And what we didn't want to happen was to adopt one more child um, through foster care and they be alone because we had the first three that were siblings. I see. And so we we were kind of like, oh, I don't know. we want to do this, then we said two, and I said, I'm kind of feeling three, and he's like, okay, we did it before. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, it wasn't that easy, but I'm giving you the abbreviated version. (laughs) Um, And uh, as a result, in 2013, we brought home three more blessings, and at the time, they were six, five, and three. And so now today, they are 16, almost 15, 12, 11, 10, and nine. Oh, well, it's so. it's so neat.
2: It's so neat, Carla, because I knew that you had six children, just like yes. I do. But you grew your family in a different way than I yeah, did. Absolutely. But, but, but we share that um, that experience of being mothers of six. So that is that is yes. fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Well, the next question is a question that I ask all of my guests. To answer, and that is, mm-hmm. how did you decide to homeschool? So can you tell us that story?
3: Yes. Um, I had always, I was always intrigued by it, but didn't know a lot about it. Um, before we became parents, I always said that I would do it, and then I kind of chickened out Once <laughs> my oldest child was ready to go to school. I kind of questioned my, you know, um, ability, my skills to do so and sent her to school. And the next three years were a were really, really tough road for her and for us. Um, it just, and it really did not have a lot to do with her teachers. It had a lot to do with the fact that she needed something different that a traditional environment or system could not provide. Mm-hmm. And if we, if she was going to get that, we were going to have to give that to her. We were not. We tried different kinds of schools. It just was not working, and um, we didn't want to keep spinning our wheels year right. after year trying the same things. So they call that insanity, right? So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so you. we decided to get off the insanity road and try something completely different, um, which was homeschooling. So, okay, that's how we got there. Um, That's as a result of that. Yeah. And then all of our other children followed suit. So it's kind of a family thing now, whereas before it was more of an emergency to help our oldest child. Okay, okay. Well, um, I have
2: begun reading your book, and I know that homeschooling wasn't ideal for you at the beginning. It wasn't for me no. either, but <laughs> we had we had a different experience. So, can you tell mm-hmm. us
3: what wasn't working
2: in your homeschooling at the beginning?
3: First of all, I didn't. I had no clue that the homeschooling world was as vast as it was, and so I was really kind of an island to myself. I wasn't surrounded by anyone that was homeschooling. Um, a lot of the things that I had seen were very kind of. Really kind of archaic, and mm-hmm. um, in, in the ways that the things were being done, and it just it bored us all to death. And one of the reasons that I wanted to homeschool, outside of the fact that my daughter, you know, needed something different, was that I wanted that um, I wanted those light bulb moments, and I wanted the excitement. And I know everything's not going to be fun. I get that. But I wanted to experience life with my kids, and I wanted to um, just expose them to the beauty of of the world that we live in, and it turns out the way, because it was the only way that I knew to do it um, at the time, we just sat and filled out workbooks all day. They read things, I corrected it, repeat
2: Mm -hmm. And,
3: you know, it was just, it was so dry and so mundane. We all disliked it. Um, But we kept doing it for like three and a half years because that's all Mm -hmm. I thought existed. That's what I thought homeschooling looked like until I joined social media. Uh, Okay. And I began to uh, join, you know, homeschooling groups and things of that nature and get a different picture of what homeschooling could Mm -hmm. be. And it got mm-hmm. a, it got a little better <laughs> for us. okay, um, but I was still holding on to a lot of that school at home um, process that was kind of putting a damper on the freedom that I wanted inside, but didn't know how to display. Mhm. Okay. If that new sense? So yeah,
2: it certainly does. And so, can you tell me what? began to look like as you embraced um, unschooling as a philosophy for teaching your kids. What did it look like as opposed to what it was when you were a workbook family?
3: You know what it began to look like? It began to look like living. (laughs) I mean literally when we dropped When we came to the conclusion that myself or my kids, our brains don't turn on at 8 and shut off at 3. They don't Mm -hmm. shut off on Friday at 3. They don't stop working during the summer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) These are things that happen as we're awake. There are opportunities around us to learn all the time. And that's what it began to look like. We began to see with new eyes how life, Itself was learning, and it became more of a lifestyle for our family than a learning style, if that makes any sense, mm-hmm. um, yeah. mm-hmm. to the point where we didn't put times and constraints in um, little boxes around learning and what it mm-hmm. what it needed to look like or how it needed to uh, look um, as far as being from a textbook or a workbook, but that for each child, is going to look vastly different And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So learning simply began to look like being hypersensitive or hyper alert to the world around you and all of the things Mm -hmm. that there are available to learn about.
2: Okay. So I know that unschooling is – you you give three – three rules for unschooling in your mm-hmm. book. Can you give me those? What are the three rules?
3: There are three rules to unschooling and it's really funny because people any type of homeschooling or any type of learning concept or philosophy has a list of rules and, and checks and balances and how you can tell you're doing this right. And so people when they want to investigate unschooling, there they want the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. they're looking for a list of rules. And there really are, if you narrow them all down, there really are only three. And in uh, chapter six of my book, the first one is respecting your child as an individual. Obviously, meaning that there is only one of your child, there will never be another. So you have a front row seat to something unfolding that has never happened before which means that if they are as unique as being only one on the planet, then their learning experience should be, should be just as unique. Um, number two, follow their lead in learning and in interest. And then number three, nurture those interests. And that okay. it's, it's as simple as that. <laughs> All right.
2: But it's as simple as that, but it's kind of like any type of homeschooling for someone who's new to it that yes. they need a lot more than that, right?
3: Oh, I, obviously, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <But> if, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Because you could always, if, if you were to draw a uh, a diagram, there'd be, you know, 15 things underneath each one of those.
2: <laughs> right.
3: Right. Absolutely. Okay.
2: So can you give me an example of how you have followed A child's lead in Mm -hmm. learning something that he or she is really interested in
3: yes I will Um, that would be my oldest daughter Mm -hmm. one of the one of the greatest struggles she had when she was in public school was with math it would bring her to tears just Mm -hmm. literally to the point where it was so disruptive the class could not go on the teacher had to have someone separate work with her Um, and then when she came home, I assumed, oh, all of that's going to go away because mom will fix it, right? And mm-hmm. it didn't. We still ended in tears. Math was always, always a struggle. Um, and it was almost, almost to the point of fear, a fear of numbers, which we soon mm-hmm. um, discovered uh, more of a um, learning challenge. Uh-huh. But we didn't know that at the time. We didn't really have the knowledge or information to be able to say, okay, this is what we're dealing with. However, um, it just didn't work. We thought that we were going to be able to crank out the genius <laughs> in math and <in> her, <laughs> and it just didn't happen that way um, because that was not who she was. And it doesn't mean that she can't be functional. Doesn't mean that she cannot learn in that area. Doesn't mean that she will not have what she needs. So I need to say that, um, that unschooling doesn't mean that we neglect key life skills. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. but with her, what we started doing, and then this is what we started doing with all of our children is focusing more on their primary talents and skills and passions. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, you know, handling the struggles off to the side, but really propping up those things that they do well. And mm-hmm. one thing that I did just on a whim, I signed her up for a college level uh, poetry class online. And mm-hmm. it was just, you know, let's see how this goes because she always loved writing stories. She always loved uh, um, reading. She's a ferocious reader. And so I thought, hey, maybe this will be something she's interested in and she got a 98 percent, and she was 11 Wow!
2: oh my goodness and my
3: yes and me my husband and I were like okay we're on the wrong track here <laughs> so we um you know and then a few months later after that I think she was she was maybe 12 but that following spring she brought me a notebook and it was a book and she said look mom I wrote a book and I'm like oh that's cute you know
1: and then when I finally sit down,
3: <laughs> I finally sit down to read it, and I'm, I tell my husband, this is a book, like a real book. And he's like, okay. And so I read it, and I'm thinking, we can make this whole process of publishing a learning experience. Mm-hmm. And so we began down the road of self-publishing her book. And... Um, she decided that she wanted to write several before she was 18, do a whole series. So to this day, she's on, she's about to publish book four. And um, they are amazing learning opportunities for kids. Each book mm-hmm. is, um, each one of her books is, has a setting in a different country. So it's very cultural and historical. Um, but I said all that to say we were on the wrong track. And we were about right. to push her. We, it, was, it was destroying our relationship with her because our frustration mm-hmm. was showing. It was destroying her confidence. You know what I mean? As far as us right. putting such a, a primary, um, just making that such a big deal for her and for her to have such a strong struggle with that, her confidence was very low. Mm-hmm. And uh, once we turned that around and decided, okay, we want to really focus on what what her strengths are and what she's really good at. And as a result of that, she's been able to learn writing, um, typesetting and formatting and editing, design, um, communicating with her artists, uh, marketing and bookkeeping and sales, public speaking. I mean, all of these things came from... Her from us saying let's change our path here wow that's
2: amazing good for her yeah, um, So, what, what are the names of her books if you are interested in sharing those are they appropriate it, for um, you know what age what ages
3: they are ages 8 to 13 but, but we have adults that have enjoyed them um okay. it is called the, It's called the Circle 12 Series. Okay. And her, her um, author name is Naomi Jean Williams. Okay. And they are available on lulu.com. All right. Wonderful. And they're all, you know, they all take place in a different country, so you learn new languages, culture, history, um, just everything to do with that particular location. On the map. All right. Good Good for, for her, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's fantastic. Okay.
2: So, um, when you then shifted to an unschooling focus, obviously mm-hmm. it helped. It helped your daughter so much. It sounds like. Yes. What other effects did you notice with your other children and with your family?
3: I noticed that my husband and I were both control freaks. (laughs) (laughs) And I noticed that it was going to take us to do a lot of inner work in order for this to work. Mm -hmm. Um, So we just had to kind of address the things that were important to us and the things that we could let go of. Um, We had to change the way that we thought about learning and how learning takes place and the boxes that have been placed upon learning in our own mind um, mm-hmm. and in the society at large. But um, as far as for, for our children, I think in the beginning um, my older two were a little confused because I was such a um, hard driver when it came mm-hmm. to school at home. And when I... I was studying unschooling for quite some time before I even displayed or, you know, mentioned that this is what I wanted to do. Uh, So it was a shock to their system, the older (laughs) two. The younger Mm -hmm. four have always been unschooled. Okay. Because we've been unschooling now for, this is our sixth year of unschooling. And so the younger four have always been unschooled. And so there's a vast difference in the way that learning um, began to take shape because they were always used to exploring and simply learning through life. And so that Mm -hmm. was easier for them than the older two that had been both in public school and had me (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, driving them at home following public school. Right. So, yeah, those things, uh, it took a while for them to, mm-hmm. to for it to kick in, um, one of my sons, my oldest son, it was probably harder for him in the beginning because he is the way that he thinks. He's very intellectual, very scientific thinker, and um, he was not happy at all. And I had to <laughs> unlock, yeah, I had to unlock the reasons why. At first, I thought, you know, this is working for everyone except for you, like, so you got to, there's something wrong with you, not (laughs) us. (laughs) Right? Of course, it's everybody else. And so, and that wasn't the case at all. It wasn't that he did not like unschooling. It was the fact that um, he did not like not having the resources that he wanted. He wanted very Mm -hmm. traditional resources. Mm -hmm. However, Mm -hmm. he enjoyed being able to choose when, how, and um, if he wanted to use them. Mm -hmm. So now that, you know, the last couple of years, it has become um, very exciting for him because he can choose that. He can construct his day and how it works for him. But he has the resources, online classes that we found for him, or um, programs like he's studying to be, mm-hmm. he's a pilot in training. And so programs oh, cool. that, that we have been able to find that help stimulate, you know, the things that he's passionate about. Um, so it took some time for him to get used to it.
2: Right. So one question I have for you, like mm-hmm. I know I have at least two of my kids love checklists. Do you have any any kids like that who they like to have checklists, and if you do, do they make their own
3: checklists? They do. One of the things that I ask my children in the morning, and I don't do it every day because they tend to do it on their own, but if I see people kind of wandering, wondering what am I going to do today, Um, I'll Mm -hmm. ask them what is your plan for your day. Okay. And what happens is that they come up with their own checklist. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and those checklists usually are you know fifty times more brilliant than what I would have come up with. <laughs> <laughs> so great. uh great, so yeah, so in their mind they some of them may write it down, but in their mind, they're always thinking, "What am I going to do today?" kind of like Phineas and Ferb mm-hmm. <laughs> what do today um uh-huh they always have in their mind what they're going to do today or what they're going to do this week. And they all have calendars. Um, so they have plans for what it is that, you know, they're interested in projects and things of that nature that they have planned.
2: Okay. Well, one of the things that occurred to me as I was reading your book is that it seems like all of the criticisms – that were once leveled at homeschooling in general mm-hmm. are now being leveled at unschooling. Right. So <laughs> people people are willing to say, well, homeschooling is okay as long as it looks like traditional um, schooling or it's traditional yeah. homeschooling. But mm-hmm. unschooling, that's out of bounds. And right. so I, I thought that we could talk about what some of the misconceptions of mm-hmm. unschooling are and I would love to have you address those. So okay. you know what are some of the common criticisms that you hear of unschooling and then how do you respond to those?
3: Okay. Hmm, let's see. Well one of the biggest ones, a lot of people and and I think before I do that, I I would like to mention one thing. Um, There are, just like homeschooling, unschooling is also, Mm -hmm. there's a spectrum. And so you have radical unschoolers, and then you have what some consider academic unschoolers. You have some people that are somewhere in between. We don't really consider ourselves radical unschoolers. However, um, studying a lot of radical unschooling philosophy and information has drastically changed the way we parent. So are mm-hmm. we radical unschoolers? No, but it has changed the way that we parent our children in all good ways. Um, okay. But I said all that to say that a lot of people think that unschooling is unparenting.
2: Uh-huh.
3: <laughs> that, okay. that you're completely hands-off and that the kids just run the show and do whatever they want. And that couldn't be uh-huh. further from the truth. And, again, that also depends on the household, correct? Right. So um, I can't speak for every household, but most unschoolers, the whole idea is that you are um, you're a guide, and you are, you are 100% hands-on. Um, I can say myself personally, and I can only speak for myself, I am probably mm-hmm. more hands-on now than I have ever been with my children, um, and that's because I see them as individuals, More, and that doesn't mean that other people don't. I'm just speaking for myself that I was kind of more into a checklist and more into the curriculum and put, you Mm -hmm. know, shoving all this information into their brain by the time they graduate from high school that I wasn't Uh thinking about who they were as an individual person. So um, that really um, the unparenting thing is not at all, a picture of what unschooling is about. You are you are very much involved and um, operate as a guide, just like any other parent would.
2: Okay. All right. Well, uh, I I know that that is a common criticism. What's another yes. common criticism of unschooling?
3: Oh, I'll give you one. <laughs> um, there's a couple of them, but one that uh, that it's not for college-bound kids. hmm You know, I've heard people say, well, if your kid's not going to college or they don't have big aspirations, then I guess that's okay. And um, honestly, homeschoolers go to college at the same rate as, as homeschoolers or anyone else. Um, nothing actually keeps them from signing up for college. And as a matter of fact, just like lots of homeschoolers, they are, you know, dual-enrolled and taking college classes at the same, you know, rate in high school as a lot of other high schoolers. So they're Mm -hmm. starting early just like a lot of other kids are. But with children that are unschooled, a lot of times what happens is that they have chosen their majors for college, if college is their choice, and they have begun passionately pursuing that area or that industry years before a lot of their peers Mm -hmm. that start freshman year of college.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: And so um, a lot of times they are very motivated college students because they've had so much time to delve into the things that they're interested in that they're not out there trying to figure it out what they're interested in. They've already figured that out. Okay. Um, and so it's just not true. Lots of unschoolers go to college if that's something that they want to do. Okay. And
2: I think what you're suggesting along with that is that just because you might be an unschooled high school student, that doesn't mean right. that you wouldn't sign up for a traditional biology class if you exactly. wanted to. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. I, I think that's definitely a misconception that people have is that no, if you're an unschooler, you never, you know, crack a textbook for a traditional science course, for example.
3: Well, the, with the yes, that is that is definitely a uh, misconception, because okay. I have my son. I have a 14 year old son who is taking an online physics and an online chemistry class. Uh huh. And he okay. is in a weekly, very uh structured aviation program to be licensed as a pilot. And so Mm -hmm. unschooling is going to look different for every single kid because those are the Mm -hmm. things he's passionate about. He's the kid that makes jokes about physics and chemistry. This is his thing. (laughs) And so for him to sign up for those classes, that is interest-led. That is unschooling for him because it's simply Mm -hmm. following the passions and the interests of the child, and those are his interests. Mm-hmm. Right. Very good. Okay. I have a criticism
2: for you mm-hmm. to respond to. Okay? Okay. So many times I hear parents say, if I let my child lead with what they're <laughs> interested in, you know what I'm going to say, don't you?
3: Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> I get, I get <laughs> inbox every day. <laughs> <laughs>
2: then my child is only going to play video games, and that's not yes. an education. Okay, exactly. so respond to that.
3: <laughs> okay, I will respond once again to that criticism. <laughs> um, now, you know what? This, this is the number one thing that I tell parents. If video okay. games are the only interesting, mind-expanding, exciting thing in your child's environment, then that is what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. But if you focus on developing an environment that is inspiring, an environment that draws them in, that gives them opportunities to explore new ideas and new things, new activities away from the house as well as in the house, um, then video games is only going to be part of what they do. Mm -hmm. Um, Secondarily, I don't want to villainize video games. It's very easy. Mm -hmm. Every generation has had their thing. There was radio. Mm -hmm. There were comic books. There was TV. Now it's Internet (laughs) and video Uh games. And each generation villainized those particular advances in technology. And technology Mm -hmm. can be used as a tool more than anything, and that's how we use it in our home and how many other homeschoolers use it. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's important to, number one, look at why your children are interested in that. Um, Look at whether or not it is an interest or an obsession. If it's Mm -hmm. an obsession, you need to step in. If it is an interest, you need to step into that interest and figure out why. Because if you can Mm -hmm. figure out what's interesting about that game or about what they're choosing to do with their time, then you have the ability to get clues to um, add to that, to add layers to that learning. So for instance, Mm -hmm. a child that is obsessed, or I won't say obsessed, but a child that loves Minecraft, I have one of those. Mm
1: -hmm. And
3: um, one thing that we began to do, uh, he was lacking in the area of reading. I bought Minecraft manuals, and his entire vocabulary went to another level. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that we did is he is very into building, so we bought, you know, architectural kits and things of that nature. Um, mm-hmm. We allowed him to start a YouTube channel so that he could show his work on Minecraft, mm-hmm. and so he got some mm-hmm. other tech skills. Um, he writes stories about it. Um we, we do little quizzes here and there um, when it comes to math, the math involved, which there's a lot. Um, the science, the geology, the weather, all of the things involved with those things, we kind of wrap around a uh-huh. child that would have that kind of interest. And so parents have to kind of see what we began to do is see the learning opportunity in everything. And we're not talking about someone that is obsessed because right, there, right. Is, there is the possibility of addiction, and I will not even try to debate mm-hmm. that. We all know that that's possible. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but outside of the obsession that, that a parent may see and need to handle, there are ways to, walk, to step into their world and to add value with other types of media and other resources and field trips and things that will expand on that knowledge and that interest. Mm-hmm. So, I hope you that question. And I, I did do, yeah, that was great.
2: And I did do an episode on alternatives to video games that I will link in the show oh, awesome. for this episode. Um, I did a little bit of research that showed that kids who do become obsessed, as you're saying, tend to mm-hmm. have poorer social skills. So, because they don't feel comfortable in, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of social environments, they gravitate toward video games. And so, Mm -hmm. as you say, that's a clue for you to help your child build social skills. Um, However, I have seen with my own kids that they primarily use video games as a social event. They are playing with friends. They're playing with their siblings, their their brothers who are in college, um, and so it's not always a replacement for, you know, social activities.
3: Right. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
2: All right. Very good. Okay. Well, I'm I saved the worst one I think for last. <laughs> the worst. The worst criticism. Okay.
1: So, okay.
2: Some people some people say that unschooling is no schooling, that you're not really doing anything, and you're just using it as a label to cover for being lazy. So can you respond to that one?
3: <laughs> Absolutely. And that was, the, that was the last one that I wanted to do, so thank you.
2: Okay, <laughs> um, well, good.
3: Yes, a lot of people look like it for laziness. And I will tell you this. And they may mistake it. I don't know if they mistake it for laziness of the parent or laziness of the the child, but sometimes it's pointed at either or or both. Um, Mm -hmm. Personally, I have never worked harder. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I don't sit down because with six kids, as you know, they have (laughs) a multitude of interests. And because we do not, we do a few things together, um, but, Usually, everyone's kind of on their own path every day, and they're working on projects and activities that they're excited about, and I am literally going from child to child trying to offer resources or a website that might help or, you know, looking up information online, a new book or something like that. I am constantly moving, whereas before, I handed all of them five workbooks, and I said, complete this today, and I checked it the next day. There was mm-hmm. very little interaction with their learning. With me, before, and I'm only speaking from my own perspective. Of course, but yeah, um, it is so far from lazy because you have to be tuned into your child. You have to be mm-hmm. tuned in 100% in order to see the opportunities for learning materialize. Um, so, for instance, if a child is, you know, engaging in an activity, then I'm watching. I'm taking pictures. I'm adding value. I'm adding information. I'm asking questions. I'm helping them problem solve. And I'm doing this with six kids all day. <laughs> and so the only That's requirement that we have, <laughs> yeah. And the only requirement <laughs> that we have is that, um, and they can, you know, read this in the book, but we have annual goals. Okay. And so all I ask is that they make significant progress toward the annual goals that they make for themselves, and that's how they make their plans for their days. You know, my daughter wants to, this time next year, she's 11, she wants to enter a small business fair and sell all of her um, her purses and toiletry bags. But she wants to perfect them. She wants to perfect her her seams and she wants it to look like something you would buy out of a store. So a lot of times her days is trying new things on her sewing machine, you know, um, looking up uh, YouTube videos on different ways of sewing and um, crocheting and all kinds of things. Um, And so I check in with her. I'll take a picture of it and I'll, you know, um, notate a description of it and put it in Evernote which is how I keep everybody's daily activities. Um, okay. So I, I would answer anyone that says that schooling is lazy to come look at my Evernote notes for the last okay. five years because it's crazy how much they accomplish <laughs> in a day. And since we've been doing things this way, they're excited about it, and mm-hmm. they're learning more than they can even remember learning the way that we used to do things.
2: Okay, that's really neat. Uh, Carla, I know years ago I read everything I could get my hands on about a Thomas Jefferson education. I was fascinated by that. Mm-hmm. And I know that when they set their children's goals, I am recalling that they require them to have some type of a goal within a wide variety of subjects. So, for example, they might say, what do you want to learn in math this year mm-hmm. or this quarter? Um, what do you want to learn in science? Do you do that, or are you purely allowing them to say, I'm only going to work on my business um, aspirations this
3: year? It depends on the age. Um. Okay. So I'll start with my younger ones. My younger ones are still in awe of everything, and <laughs> um, and they're not little. I keep seeing younger ones. They're 12, 11, 10, and 9, but they move as a mm-hmm. unit sometimes. They're, like, always together. And so, but they have the tendency to be on, um, how can I put it, really tunnel focused on some things uh-huh. that they're working on and projects and things that they want to perfect, And so what I do is I bring other topics into what they're doing. Okay. Um, and so, you know, uh, I have a son that is a really, really, really very well versed in world wars. Mm -hmm. And he, he's been, since he was seven years old, this is all he can think, dream, and, you know, write about, read about. And so we relate, you know, uh, math to that, history to that, geography to that. Um, to the point where you mm-hmm. can tell you every war and which country joined the war at what time and why, and it, it's just amazing to me. Um, mm-hmm. So they have a ton of focus, but within that ton of focus, I bring other things into that. Okay, okay. That makes um, sense. And then when they get into the high school, um, into high school, it's going to depend on which direction they're headed. So, for instance, my older daughter, who is very entrepreneurial, she's a writer, Um, She wants to be in filmmaking, so we get her into filmmaking courses, into uh, writing writers' conferences, um, everything surrounding that. But then we also Mm -hmm. uh, make sure she has access to consumer math and business math because those are going to be the most important things that she needs. Mm -hmm. And this is the child that was math-averse in the beginning, so we have to figure out how to approach that with her. Um, Whereas Uh my oldest son he is the pilot in training, aviation, engineering, those kinds of things, his his may look a little more schooly because of his aspirations. Um, Mm -hmm. And so he's he's trying to master algebra right now and um, chemistry and physics and aviation courses all over the place. So it's just, Mm -hmm. it depends, you know, when they're in the older ages and they have kind of set their trajectory, which we don't hold them to, But Mm -hmm. um, when they decide, you know, I think that this is the direction I want to go, we look for resources to help them, you know, get there. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Well, that is just so
2: interesting. Um, I have enjoyed this conversation so much, and I know people are going to want to get your book. Tell us the name of your book and where they can get it and what they're going to find in it aside from oh, what absolutely. we've been
3: talking about. Okay. <laughs> well, it's called, it's called Homeschool Gone Wild, Inspired Learning Through Living. And um, they can get it on Amazon.com. Um, and they can just about get it on all um, globally except for Japan for some reason. Okay. <laughs> so it's available <laughs> in Canada, Australia, um, Great Britain, all over Europe, so Mexico. So they're able to get it except for Japan. And as far as the book is concerned, it is about our unschooling journey. But more than anything, this book is for any homeschooler simply because I think that we can all add a little sparkle to our homeschool journey. And Mm -hmm. we can all use something to inspire us to do something different. And what I always tell people is that I'm not an unschooling evangelist. I don't expect everybody to just drop and do what I do. But I mm-hmm. think that it's important that we continue to do what's working for us and change what isn't. So if this book can mm-hmm. inspire them to change what isn't and do something a little different or allow their children a little bit more um, control over their day and some of the things that they study and um, to follow their interests, I think that, that they, they'll only be better for it. Mm-hmm. And so this book really is for any homeschool family, and any parent that's interested in helping their kid follow um, their passions as well. Well,
2: I know people are going to enjoy it. I have enjoyed what I have read so far, and I'm going to keep reading. I'm, awesome. I'm not too I'm not too old yet, Carla, to add some things to my my (laughs) schooling too. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's just excellent and I'm, I'm so grateful that you took the time to share your story with us and to inspire us and I am going to be looking forward to connecting with you more on social media as we go forward.
3: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been delightful.
0: To find a link to Carla's book, her social media accounts, and to learn more about our sponsor, the Christian Standard Bible, go to homeschoolsanity.com unschooling. Have a happy homeschool week. Thank you for joining me for the Homeschool Sanity Show. This has been a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.